Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Randy Mitchell here, Max Robinson. Great to be with you here on Salt and Light. We appreciate you tuning in. We've got a great show for you here today. We're going to be talking about a very controversial subject here in just a little while, short while, Max, uh, on gambling. So many people are wondering, is gambling, is it a sin? Is it okay? We're going to be talking about that here today. And so uh, we just want to encourage you to stay tuned in. But before that, we want to talk about a very a very important and exciting ministry that we have at Temple Baptist Church, and that is our midweek program. It's called Master Club, and it is for children, three-year-olds, up to sixth graders, and we meet every Wednesday. This is getting ready to start back up. Now, we've got a little mini Master Club going on here in the summer months, but Brother Max, we're just a few weeks away from Master Club starting up full-blown. Our registration is going on now, so let's talk to our listeners a little bit about this ministry and uh, what a great ministry it is. Yeah, we'll be starting up here the last week of August on Wednesday night, and it's 7 o'clock, and we will have on our website, church website here shortly, an ability to register your children. And as you mentioned, uh, three and up. Now, I we believe we already have that. It's on our website. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Christina was saying there was some adjusting that needed done yesterday. Okay. So, and she was going to let us know when it's all executed. And we, so that's all being done in the background. We've got our stuff ordered for this year. We've got a, a plan for the year. We're laying out our calendar for the year. But this end of August, starting at 7 o'clock, we will be meeting and beginning our classes. So each age group, we have a class. <clears throat> we have some quality teachers. And uh, there's a lot of different things we do. We do begin with an uh, opening cel- uh, ceremony, you know, where we uh, do, uh, we're going to have some songs and things and some things to get the kids excited and ready for the evening and then we do go to our various classes where the kids work on their books Uh, master's club has a great program of books that the kids work through where they get badges and other honorary things throughout the year that they get to earn for their achievements Mm -hmm. and it's all bible based of course but it's good principle it's character principles it's it's not just learning or getting gaining just bible knowledge it is personal character and development in the life of the young person yeah and then we we work on some things as well with um we go to regionals in the spring, as you've been to many of them. Yeah, those are awesome competitions with other churches. And and a lot of churches go, and there are hundreds and hundreds of kids, and we go as a Some team. Some people bring ear earplugs because it's so loud in there. And, and it's, it's an exciting time, and it's a time where the kids are able to compete together as a team. So there are team things we work on, but there's a lot of individual things that the kids can work on, the way of, of music, um, uh, art, uh, 
Bible memorization, even preaching. Yeah. They have opportunities for some young preachers to get in there and, and these kids to start honing some skills and practicing uh, Bible story, illustration, puppets. Yeah. And so we avail this to all our kids to be able to participate. And so we work through those things throughout the year. And then we do have some fun. We do have some games. And we have a, a gentleman, you know, Brother Beaver, that he's zealous in that. And, and Absolutely. I was, I was glad to have him back this past week for doing game time. He excites the kids. And it's just a, a time of, of release. They can get some energy out. And then it's just, it's good. But we also are going to have... Um, Bible instruction, Bible teaching. So mm -hmm. not just going through a book, but uh, uh, having one of our instructors teach some lesson. And so we do this throughout the evening into yeah. the week. And then at the end, as you know, which I've appreciated about you and what you've allowed is we bring the kids up to our whole congregation at the end of the service. And then we present them with their badges and the things they've earned. And so it lets the church as a whole see what their children are doing and it's just a positive it's a fun positive time. thing for the kids to yeah. do yeah you know in 37 years of ministry i've seen a lot of these uh midweek or bible programs for children and everyone has its strengths and weaknesses and so master club i'll tell you what i like about it is not only does it focus on bible memorization but also the different badges that they earn the workbook that they go through throughout the entire school year, they're learning different aspects. You mentioned character. You also mentioned uh, serving God. You know, these children are being discipled and trained into what it means to serve Jesus Christ. And in addition to that, all kinds of fun and games and projects and interaction and all of that. I, the best way I know to describe it, this isn't a totally accurate description, but it's kind of like vacation Bible school one night a week and yeah. I know people in our community love vacation Bible school and they'll send their kids to multiple VBS's throughout the summer well this is an opportunity for you to bring your your child one night a week and you can stay and come to church we'd love to have you or you can drop your child off and we'll you know you can register them and we've got all of our workers have had background checks they're well trained it's a safe environment we we really go the extra mile to make sure that it's a place that's safe physically morally uh, we, we ask questions like, does your child have any food allergies or medical conditions? Right. We try to make sure, we do everything we can to make sure that if you bring your child to our Wednesday program, that we are taking good care of them. And so uh, we really have a quality program. This is not just for the folks and families of Temple Baptist Church. This is also an outreach, and we would love to see you bring your child and uh, let them be uh, helped and edified and learn to enjoy God and to enjoy church. And even if you have a different church that you attend, but you don't go on Wednesday night, bring your kid. We're not trying to get you away from your church to ours. We just simply want to be a help and a blessing to children in a time where it's very, very needed. Well, next segment, Brother Max, we're going to be talking about the controversial uh, topic of gambling, but I also want to remind our listeners that um, we have another broadcast besides Salt and Light. If you're not familiar with it, it's Back to Basics. It's every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. For example, this coming Sunday, 
we will be preaching the message that we preached last Sunday at Temple Baptist Church, and you'll be able to hear that message in its entirety. Anytime that you want any of our messages, you can go on our website, templebaptistnc.com. Uh, it seems like uh, in the last three or four months, we've averaged uh, anywhere between 1,500 and 2,500 downloads off of that uh, website on our sermons, and that's Sunday morning and Sunday night messages. And so we just encourage you to be part of that. We, we, we want to get the truth of God's word to a people that, I mean, a generation that is very, very uh, hungry and uh, needy for the truth of God's word. And so stay tuned here after the break. We're going to be diving into the topic of what the Bible says about gambling. And uh, I think you'll be surprised at some of the principles that God says. And uh, we're not trying to cause any controversy. We're just trying to promote God's truth. Amen. Many have heard of uh, baseball player Pete Rose. He's known as one of the greatest hitters in all of baseball history. His biggest baseball accomplishment came when he broke Ty Cobb's all-time batting record with hit number 4,193. In 1989, baseball great Pete Rose was tagged with another title, and that's Gambler, which left a lingering shadow over his once-shining reputation. Pete Rose's daughter, Fawn, observed her father's devotion to baseball and referred to it as his quote-unquote religion. Pete himself agreed by stating unequivocally that he worshipped baseball. But eventually, Pete Rose converted to another religion, and that is the religion of gambling. Why do we say that? Well, because he was willing to lay his beloved baseball upon its altar. Folks, gambling is a $700 billion per year obsession. Here's an interesting fact. We just talked about it during the break. In 2021, globally, it was a $450 billion dollar uh, industry one year later 700 billion dollars so it is growing exponentially we're going to talk about what the bible has to say uh, listen folks i don't believe that gambling is the problem i believe that gambling is a symptom of the problem in our culture it's glamorous it uh, feeds self-indulgence the instant gratification mindset that has plagued America in recent decades, but beneath its dazzling surface, we encounter the downsides of gambling, increased addiction, decreased devotion to spiritual things. Even numerous secular studies point to few, if any, positive contributions that gambling can offer to our society. So, Brother Max, as we talk about this, the question, we're going to look at some common questions and some answers, but just introductory statement, what's wrong with gambling? Plenty. Plenty. Okay, <laughs> next topic. <laughs> well, I, I, there's, there's a lot. I know we're going to go down some, some various roads in that. You know, in the basic, if you start getting down to it, it's a hard issue, right? It, it it feeds desires of something you're not, that you don't have right now. You're not satisfied, you're not content, and you gamble, and you're doing this in order to obtain, right? And it's this, 
I don't know. It's a it's a forbidden thing, right? It's it's this idea that I can bet this or do this, and I'm going to get all this, and it's a little easier than working at McDonald's for ten let bucks. Me, let an me hour. interrupt. You said that you used the word forbidden thing, and and I I think I believe that the teaching we're going to see some principles in God's word that yeah we'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. We do believe the Bible teaches that it is a forbidden thing, if you want to use that word. But people say, well, the Bible doesn't come right out and say that it's a sin. But, you know, the reality of it is how many things in our culture the Bible doesn't directly deal with and say it's a sin. And yet, I mean, for instance, it doesn't say that that using the drug fentanyl is a sin. But we know from observation that even though people take it because they enjoy it, they, they start out with there's a reason why they, they, they try to find satisfaction or dealing with their discontentment with life with a drug. We know that it's harmful, it's dangerous, it's deadly. And whenever we see these type, kind of things in, in society, then... Uh, mature and intelligent people have to say this is harmful. So, yeah, it is forbidden, just like many other things in the Bible are forbidden, and it's not the the root cause of the problem. It is the symptom of the problem. Now, let me ask you a question. I'll put you on spot. Has gambling ever been, and, and this is something, we've been friends for a long time, and I don't even know if this has ever been an issue with you, for me, I, I'll say it never has been a struggle. I'm going to tell the story here uh, if we have time about maybe something that the Lord allowed in my life that kept it from being an issue. But has, it, has this ever been a struggle with you, brother? Well, you do know me. And, I, and there are some things that are addictive in my personality. But I do also have a frugal side. And so... I have, I, in my years when I wasn't right with the Lord, I dabbled a little bit in it. But even then, the thought of blowing my money and wasting it overrid <laughs> that, that desire. Yeah. And so I, I never really did. So even a couple times I did is when somebody, you know, I, I was where I shouldn't have been. I wasn't right with the Lord. And they wanted to. And they're like, well, here, you take 20 bucks. And. And so I took their 20 bucks, and when it was gone, you know, it was gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't necessarily the Holy Spirit of God keeping no, you back. It, it, was just, it was just my personal nature that really prevented me from doing it. And, you know, it. I would have to say the same thing. I've, I've never been a huge, you know, adrenaline junkie, risk taker. I've always been a little bit more on the stay on the safe, secure side and a little bit more calculated side. But when I was listening... In 1976, I'm eight or nine years old. It's during the football season, and when I was in 1976, I was a, I was a sports fanatic. I mean, anything that was on TV, I don't care if it was the Big Four sports. I mean, anything that was sports, I was into it, memorizing statistics. Well, during that time, so I was, uh, I liked the Pittsburgh Steelers. I liked the Minnesota Vikings. Well, those are teams that were all at rivalry in the 70s with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So I always, growing up, my favorite, my favorite team was whoever was playing the Dallas Cowboys. I hated the Dallas Cowboys. I hated them worse or more than I liked the Steelers or the Vikings. 
And so I'm watching on uh, on one Sunday afternoon, the Dallas Cowboys are playing the lowly Atlanta Falcons, all right? Now, that year, the Dallas Cowboys, they went to the, the NFC Championship game, had a great record. Roger Staubach's their quarterback. Well, the Atlanta Falcons, they've got a losing record. Their great quarterback, Steve Barkowski, he's on the injured reserve list, and they got this guy playing quarterback, Scott somebody. I don't even remember his last name. Most people wouldn't even know who I'm talking about. They got a backup quarterback. It's the fourth quarter, and the Cowboys are up 10-0. to It's halfway through the fourth quarter. My mom comes by the living room, and she's just trying to make conversation. What you doing, son? Oh, I'm watching the, the Cowboys beat the, the Falcons. Well, who do you think is going to win? Well, the Cowboys are going to win. She said, she's just cutting up with me. She says, I'll bet you 50 cents that the Cowboys win. Well, that's, a, that's not even a gamble to me. That's an automatic. I said, sure, I'll take that bet. I mean, it's like she's giving me 50 cents. Well, <laughs> the Falcons rallied and won 17 to 10. And so I, my mom made me pay her that 50 cents. Well, I'm an eight-year-old kid at the time. 50 cents was a lot of money in 1976 for an eight-year-old kid. That could buy me like four or five big hunk candy bars down at the, the corner store. Right. So it just like my only, the first time that I did anything that would technically be called gambling, I lost. And I, I look back at that, it was almost uncanny. I wonder maybe if the Lord didn't bless the Falcons just to teach me. That's a little, that'd be a little narcissistic and self-centered. But that taught me a lesson. And from that point on, I really never had much of a temptation to gamble because I learned that most of the time you're going to lose. Right. And so a lot of people struggle with this. Uh, here's some statistics here. More money is wagered on gambling than is spent on elementary and secondary education combined in our nation. Can you believe that? That, that tells us kind of where our values it are. It shows. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I could have said, you know, do you think that more money is spent on gambling than education? And I'd say, don't bet on it. <laughs> right. All right. We're getting silly now. Uh, Gamblers Anonymous members report that approximately 33% of their participants had admitted to stealing in order to gamble, and over 33% had been arrested. Here's another thing. Deadwood, South Carolina, three years after casinos were legalized, uh, that would be with the Indian reservations. You've lived in some of those places. Uh, three years after uh, casinos were legalized, felony crimes rose 40%. Yeah. So, you know, obviously there are some issues with this. Now, let's deal with some, I, I know people get very defensive about something that they enjoy doing, all right? And, and I understand that. So they always kind of create these straw dogs. And so they ask the question, well, it's no different gambling than it is investing in the stock market. Have you ever had somebody throw that question or that? Really, it's not a question. It's more of a, more of a defense right. mechanism. Right. But what are your thoughts on the stock market, Brother Max? Well, it can be. It definitely can be. Sure. It's your approach. It's the way you're doing it. But typically when you're investing in stocks, you're researching a company, you're buying into that company with their commitment that on their earnings, they're going to pay dividends. Mm -hmm. And so you are actually having ownership that is to bring, that you can sell at any time. 
mm-hmm. right? And that should bring bring dividends. And historically, historically, the stock market, even since the Great Depression, has produced solid returns. Mm-hmm. You can't argue it. Right. Gambling is you're taking what you have. You're betting on something, and you, at the end of the day, if you're wrong on your bet, you have nothing. Yeah. That's kind of like the, you know, the, the lottery is a, is a type of gambling. Is, Someone sure. once said that the lottery is a tax on people who are bad at math. <laughs> and that's very true because you're going to lose. Yes. That's, that's the whole nature of it. That's why gambling is promoted because you're, you're going to lose more often than not. One of the biggest issues for me in the stock market, yes, it can be gambling. If somebody invests, just takes money that they can't afford to lose and just kind of rolls the dice on one stock and if they lose it then they're bankrupt well that is foolish Uh, that would be gambling but one of the biggest differences between stock market and gambling is that when you win at the stock market everybody wins Mm -hmm. the company does you're not winning at someone else's expense no one's losing when the stock does good so it's it's a little bit different and as christians as god's people we're not supposed to have this desire to take something for our selfish desire at the expense of other people so just the basis of christianity is that we're supposed to care more about others than we care about ourselves really flies right in the the face it's so contradictory to the nature of gambling in and of itself so these are all some things that are certainly worthy of prayerful consideration we'll continue on this topic after the break So we're talking about what the Bible teaches regarding the subject of gambling. Uh, We took a look at the gambling versus the stock market and some of the questions that people typically ask and a couple other questions we'll just deal with here real quickly, Brother Max, before we get into some Bible principles. People say, well, shouldn't gambling be okay if I'm not uh, if, if I'm risking losing money that I can afford to lose? Well, you know, there's some obvious principles there. The Bible teaches about stewardship, that we are accountable for what God gives us. But then there's also the aspect that, well, what about the example that it's sending to our children? You know, there, there are people, I'm sure, that just, just like any type of vice, there are some people that ha- are a little bit more on the stoic side and they can control it. But what about our children? You know, sometimes many alcoholics I know came from families where mom and dad were not, you know, raging alcoholics. They, they managed it. They, I, I don't like this term, they drank responsibly. That, that doesn't make any sense to me because you're ingesting something that makes you irresponsible while promoting that I'm going to do it responsibly. I, that that kind of seems to be contradictory term. But what about the example that we're placing toward other people. If I can live without this, if I say I don't need it, I can take it or leave it, then why not leave it for the sake of the other generation, being an example, taking a higher standard? There's that. Plus, some people say, well, what if I play the lottery just to support the schools? Or if I, what if I just do it for fun? Well, why not go and just pick your lottery numbers? If you're just doing it for fun, Pick your numbers and then just wait and see if you won. <laughs> right. And that's the, 
all part of the illusion deception that Satan puts. It, it, it puts it all on us, right? And our feelings, our thoughts, and we make it something more than it is. He's, he, he's the father of lies, right? He is. He started that in the beginning. Somehow he was able to take Adam and Eve and convince them that when God said, if you partake of this, you'll surely die, that they thought partaking of it and having knowledge of good and evil was even greater than the potential results that God said it would be. So here we are, we have gambling. And I know you have examples. You gave Pete Rose to beginning. Uh, a gentleman in the book, you both and not you and I have been reading. He gives a, a very stellar example of a man in Texas who won 1.24 million for 20 years. That's what he got, and he had all this great dream of what it was going to do. He ended up divorced. He ended up alienated from his whole family, and came to a point with all the pressures of this money that came quick, of all those hounding him, and all the family issues, and all the things that took place, the man took his own life. What a sad tale. Does that happen to everybody? No, but to your example, it does happen. It doesn't happen to everyone, but you'd be surprised at how many people that a sudden influx of money and affluency ended up destroying their life or taking making the quality of their life less it, yes you just more heartaches and more just more issues that they have to deal with and many of them would give testimony that i was happier back when i was just working a job and barely able to pay my bills so money is never going to bring happiness we were talking about the lottery and and supporting the schools money magazine did a, a research on states that have lottery for education and those who don't and they pro- they it is proven that the states spend less on education um, that are non-lottery states and so what happens is with the lottery they just end up shuffling money around where it comes from just for promotional purposes and so you mentioned like the devil in the garden of eden anything that you look at it and say it's addicting it's harmful it destroys lives if there's too much of this justifying that it's okay for me and you and you really have to make that case that hard it's probably the devil giving those ideas just like he did he's a master and he did it in the garden of eden in making Adam and Eve think that, well, God's just trying to keep something enjoyable away from you. He's being mean. He's being a prude. I've got your best interest at mind if you'd listen to me. And so, uh, and that's what has got the human race in trouble yeah. from day one. And it continues to do the same thing. And I would say good advice is buyer beware that anytime that we think I and what I'm going to obtain or benefit of it outweighs the risks, the dangers, the warnings, either biblically or socially or whatever, right? Because we can do things and our friends or family will say, hey, I've done that. It's a bad road. Well, I, this is different. Yeah. And we, I would say buyer beware on that. Yeah. And that's 
That is the message the devil tries to get to people to go down this road, and this is no different. I like what one preacher said. He said, the fool is the person that always thinks that they're the exception to the rule. Yeah. And, and that is so true. Well, what does the Bible teach? What are some principles that are relevant to our thesis here that, the, that gambling is forbidden, it's, it's bad, it's evil? Well, there are three enemies of the Christian, and they're all manifest in gambling. The first is the world. First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so obviously anyone with half a brain could see that that principle is certainly rev relevant to the subject of gambling. So the world is the enemy of the Christian. The world, those tenets of the world, uh, is obviously something that God says, it's not of me, it's of the world. Luke twelve fifteen says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Covetousness, it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? That, that we're warned right. of. And it, the Bible's detailed on that. What does gambling usually do? When we start going down that road, I'm doing this because I'm going to get this, I, I need a nicer house, I'm going to get a nicer car, and then we... We make it good by saying, well, I'm going to help mom out. I'm going to help the church out. I'm going to do this. But it's all still driven by what we are going to. That's covetousness. That's right. So that is a, the premise is sin. It's against what God has said. I also like what Proverbs 13, 11 says. Wealth gotten by vanity. Is that not gambling? Yeah. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And we all know that even with the Lord and in society, there's greater respect for those that have worked and labored and through their efforts have obtained than somebody that just hit it big. Yeah, I mean, easy come, easy go. Right. If you work for it, then you're going to value it, and uh, you're going to have you're going to be able to control your money rather than letting your money control you. Now we're talking about you mentioned covetousness. Here's something that's interesting, folks. You ought to, you ought to hear what the Word of God says. Colossians three five says, "Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth." That's the flesh. That is the natural desires of my human nature. And Paul says here, mortify them. We need to put them down. We need to crucify them. They need to be reckoned as dead. And he says, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. Those are all just, you know, horrible, perverse sins. But then the next one, and covetousness, comma, listen to this, which is idolatry. The Word of God says that covetousness is a form of idolatry, and God hates idolatry. And so that love of money, we know it's the root of all evil. Money isn't the root of all evil. Some of the, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the different Bible versions. Our King James Version says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Many of the other Bible versions say that money is the root yeah. of all evil. That's not true. It's the love of it because God, God blesses many people right. with, with wealth. Again, it's the heart issue, right? 
That's the Lord right. focuses through Scripture what comes out of the heart, what's in the heart, our desires, etc. It's not, you know, it, it's not just an object. The disobedience by Adam and Eve was what came out of their heart, yeah. right? They chose to disobey God, and it was their heart and their lust for certain things. That's what the Lord teaches us, and so you're absolutely right. It's that... It is that love for that. Yeah. And I like the tricks that people allow to play on their own mind. They'll say, well, a preacher, if I won, if I won $5 million in the lottery, I would, you know, I'd buy us a new church building or I'd, I'd, I'd give this to the church. And, you know, usually I just, I just grin. Usually I try to be kind and I don't tell them what I really think. But for the most part, it's just like, no, you wouldn't. Because, I mean, you have 50 bucks right now that you just earned, and you're not even tithing on it. You're not no. given five bucks out of your 50. So what makes you think that you're going to be faithful with a lot if you're not being faithful with a little? Because it all comes down to the heart. It's not about the quantity. It's about the heart and making God first. And if we love God we're not going to care. We're going to be, if we got food and raiment, we're going to be content. And if God blesses us with more, if he increases our standard of living, then we're going to honor God with the first fruits of our increase. And we're going to make sure that it's not about the money, but rather it's about God. Now, we talked about the devil's role in the Garden of Eden. And one of the basic tenets of the devil's temptation, remember when he tempted Christ there out in the wilderness, he offered Jesus something that God wanted him to have, but he offered it to him at the wrong time and in the wrong place. Now, as Christians, the Bible says that if we'll faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ, it says if we will suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. As a child of God, then the Bible teaches that we have an inheritance. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us as his children. But we're not going to get it in this life. We're going to get it in the next one. And it's forever. And it's forever. It's, it, it, we're not going to lose it. It's not going to rust. Nobody's going to steal it. Why would we sacrifice the eternal blessings of God, those eternal riches, for something that is just going to burn up here in this life? I, I like what one person said, you can tell what God thinks about money by the people he gives it right. to, because a, a lot of people that have a lot of stuff, they're not the best people to be around. And, and to follow up with what you said, the risk with that, you, you quoted before, for the love of money is the root of all evil. The other part of that says, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the pay, faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There is a great risk. That is right. The risk of many, many sorrows. So once again, time after time after time, God gives us principle after principle that warns us against our own flesh, the desires that the world has, and realizing that it's not about money and gain. Well, 
Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We've been talking about gambling here today on Salt and Light. Uh, Brother Andy Mitchell, Brother Max Robinson here. Appreciate you, Brother Max, and it's just a joy to be able to talk about these things with a Christian brother. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, they don't understand what the Bible says about these principles. And I, I know somebody who's just casually buying a lottery ticket here and there, there's definitely a whole lot worse things that they can do. We understand that. We're not being, we're not trying to be excessive with this, but we're just trying to make sure that our listeners know and understand that this is some dangerous forbidden territory. And while it's not our place to condemn those people, you know, if you go, what you do with your money is your business. But we also want to remind you that what we do with everything that God has given us, we are gonna give an accountable. We are supposed to look at our life as stewards. Uh, a, a lot of times people think, even Christians think that, well, whatever I earn, if I earn, earn $100, then 10% of that is the Lord's. I give him his tithe and the rest of it is mine. The reality of it is, if we would view it from a Christian, you know, that is Old Testament. And I'm not saying that that tithe is not something that we should practice in the New Testament. I believe that we should. But we should also view our life not as 90% is mine and 10% is God's, but we are bought with a price. Jesus paid for our entire life. And if we would really view everything that we have in life, that it's all God's, and let's let God determine how much he wants me to keep, that's the right attitude for God's blessing. Now, he promised he would supply our need, but we also have some promises in the scripture that God will bless us and that there, uh, there is a lot that the Bible teaches about how to gain, how to, how to get more, so to speak. Um, now, the one thing that I think you mentioned this and it's worth repeating is that we need to have the attitude that gain comes primarily from work. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.12, Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. That's the Christian life right there. We, we, we should be working to try to put food on our table to pay our bills. And if, if God's providing through that, we need to learn how to be content. But there's also a principle. I know that there are some religions who have there are a bunch of charlatans, and they have, they have tried to capitalize on a Bible principle. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, he said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Now, Brother Max, we, we preach that and we teach that with all authority, but folks, we want you to know we're not saying give to us and then God will bless you. That's a bunch of nonsense. But we are teaching and preaching that you need to be a giver. You need to give to God. And when we give to, as unto the Lord, whether it be an offering in a local church, missions, whether it be to help your neighbor, anything that we are giving and doing it for the Lord's sake, God says that it shall be given unto you. And so that's a Bible principle that comes from God, not something that any religion or any preacher should be capitalizing on. And, and you should be wise enough to see through that. Right. But at the same token, if rather than buying a lottery ticket or you know playing the sports teams and betting and all of the casino stuff rather than doing that if you would learn to trust god 
and be a giver, you would find that God will in turn give back to you. Exactly. And you started out this segment talking about stewardship and being a steward. And you've read the, the verse Philippians 14, 419, but my God shall supply all your need, right? And according to his riches, according to what he has. Well, the fact is, as a steward, the very principle and understanding of a steward, it's not ours. It is all God's. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is his. He has given us the responsibility to act wisely with that. And he teaches, Christ himself teaches in the Gospels, just and unjust stewards. And when we do stand before him, he is going to measure us by what we have done with what he has given us. He has supplied us our need. When you go into gambling, when you go into the lottery, you're coveting. You read the verse, it is idolatry because we're looking to something else and other means rather than God to give us what we actually need. That is right. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6, here's some little more detail about this concept of giving and then God giving back to us. Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 9, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You know, there's a connection between the wallet and the heart. And when we're trusting God, you know, people who are trusting God and their heart is in the right place, we're going to be givers. It's not going to be out of necessity. It's not going to be grudgingly. It's not going to be, well, the preacher preached on tithing again. And by the way, I, I, I go years at Temple Baptist Church without ever saying anything about, we have our missions conference where we encourage people to give to Faith Promise Missions. But as far as tithing and talking about money, we seldom ever do. And, and when we do, it's not because we're having a problem in that area. It's because it, it's, it's in our Bible teaching, and it's time to teach it because we're supposed to. And so, you know, people say, well, the preacher is just out to get our money. Well, that is, that is not true. We're interested in teaching people that, look, if you will trust God and give to the Lord, he'll bless you. And it is so true. He will provide all of your needs. So how do we manage our money? Well, we work in order to provide for our needs and then trust God that he's going to take care of those. Uh, We give and then also we pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And just a few verses later, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so it's real simple, folks. Work, give, and then just pray and trust God. This is a formula to pay your bills. Try, trust, and tithe. All of these things, you know, if you want it all to start with a T, that's a alliterated sermon. People like those. Well, it works, and it doesn't always work in the way that we hope for it to work. It doesn't mean that we're going to get rich. It just means that you'll get by and you'll be all right, and right. in time you will see 
time and time again how that God will supply your need. He'll, your faith will grow if you'll just follow God's principles for gain rather than the world's principle of roll the dice and you may win, you may lose. Right. And you, you use the word faith. It also tells us in the New Testament, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And you go to Proverbs 28.8, or Proverbs 28.20, I should say. It says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Doing it God's way, he, his, he, his way is great. Yeah. It, it's not prosperity gospel that you're going to have $10 million homes in Atlanta, in New York, everywhere else. You'll find blessing with your family and, and your needs met where you're at, where God has uh, blessed you and taken care of you and met your needs and provided you. But what he has in store for us is eternity. None of us. I, I like the verse. I have not seen nor ear heard what God hath prepared for them that love him. That is right. What's yet to come. That's the blessings that are forever, but we need to be faithful with what God has given us now. And the beauty of God's blessings is that he doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. He never gives us something that's ultimately going to destroy our lives. Yeah. And, you know, these get-rich-quick schemes, a lot of times you, people get something that they God has had no business, they had no business getting to begin with. And so you're we we're talking about being faithful to the Lord, but I want to close with the, the principle that God is the one that is faithful. Listen to this, folks, and, and, and this is something I, I hope that you'll remember. Hebrews 13.5 says, let your conversation be without covetousness. That, co that conversation, that's your lifestyle, the way that you approach life. Let it be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Listen to this. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, we can be faithful to God because he is first faithful to us. And he promised no matter what, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. God's heart is grieved by gambling. Gambling destroys a lot of lives. And, um, and God doesn't want you to hurt yourself. And so uh, instead of having a worldview of gambling's okay, everybody's doing it, it is growing exponentially year by year. And the reason being is because we have lost sight of the principles of God. Listeners, we encourage you, get into the Bible. The Bible is filled with salt and light. It doesn't always tell you what you want to hear, but it always tells you what you need to hear. The Word of God is the truth, and it's the safe way to live your life. God bless you folks. We trust that you have been blessed by the broadcast today. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you, and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. 
We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible and get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.